Welcome back to the Charlie Music Podcast. My name is Kyle. This is episode 15. Yes, 15. 15. Had to look at Luna to see what it was. <laughs> episode 15. We are starting the book, The Spirit of Music, written by Victor Wooten. This is the sequel to the music lesson. And to discuss the book, we, of course, have CJ. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to going through this book. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's a good book. It is a good I book. like it a lot. It is very good. So, yeah. How's your week? Uh, it's over. Cool. All right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, we call this, oh, that's right. Sounds like mine. We're working on, we're, we're recording a few days after, and we typically are like midweek when we record. Um, yep. No, it was, it was, it was busy. Like, it's like the first week in July, so it's busy. It'll probably be busy next week, and it'll slow down a little bit, but it's just, you know, it's the summer. It's hot. It's been hot. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? Uh, busy. It was a short week for me. I had only Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We had a big retirement ceremony on Friday. And then the dopes on our, on the network side of things decided to replace our firewall, and they didn't configure it properly and never tested it, so I was at work after hours for an additional three hours. Well, they <laughs> troubleshot the whole thing. And I was like, cool, thanks, guys. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. So... Wow. And the only reason I was there is because I'm the only one that had the alarm code. So, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's they great. They done it without me. But... That's too funny. So, yeah. I have the power. <laughs> I have the alarm code. <laughs> <laughs> so, I opened the building that day and closed the building that day. That's too funny. Not fun, but that's all right. Are you listening to anything good? Um, Nothing different. I think I've been, I've been listening to Corey Wong a lot. Um, yeah, me too. Especially the fact that uh, we would have just played him on our live show on Sunday night. So, yep. uh, I mean, I was listening to that, and um, that's about it. I haven't really gotten to anything else. Uh, hoping to change it up this week. In a couple of weeks, I have a trip up to uh, to Albany, so I think I'm gonna create a different playlist than I did last time. Okay. I, I kind of went like. Um, it was all Victor Wooten stuff. You did stuff. Beatles last time, didn't you? I did. That was up to Rochester. Oh, okay. Because I figured that was going to take up like the first like four hours of the trip, which it did. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I'm going to try to build something different for uh, for Albany. Okay. How about yourself? Cool. Still same stuff. Yeah. Mostly Corey Wong. Um, I found two more live albums that I didn't notice before, so I've been listening to those. Oh, nice. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was boring. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, if we had the 4th of July passed, mm-hmm. you know, and we've been, we've been, you know what I would really like, and I haven't found it yet, but I would love to have the Zelda soundtrack. I haven't found a recording of Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom yet. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised. Me too. I wonder if they're doing that on purpose. Could be. Huh. I'm sure they'll come out soon, though. I mean, it's been such yeah, a crazy so. hit with people. Right. Like, you know, you, even on social media, people are like, all right, I got to go. I got to go play the game. Like, it's just like, I'm done. That's what I was doing right before we came on. That's too funny. So. Now, do you play it? You play it on the Switch. Do you play it, like, sitting at your couch? Or do you play it on the big screen? On the big screen. Yeah. 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 It's. I, I think it's too hard to play on the smaller screen. Okay. Because there's just so much going on and there's a lot of, you need a lot of like, you need a dark room to play it. Because especially when you go down to like the, the, the chasm area, like there's, it's hard to see to begin with. So you need to make sure you have no reflections oh, okay. and stuff like that. Makes sense. So Interesting. Yeah. Nerding out over Zelda again. That's eh, so. okay. There's a, um, yeah. a retro store that opened up uh, a couple towns over from where. We are, and I've been looking to go. When they first opened, they had like a DeLorean there. I didn't get to go to check it out, but um, like they have all the old games and si- systems like that. So I want to go check out and see what they have there. And it's supposed to look like inside of the the 
the eatery that Save the by the Bell was in. Like that oh, okay. that like that eighties esque type. Yep. So um the Max. The Max, yes. That's it has apparently yeah. like from the pictures that I can see uh on Instagram there they have that. So I'm gonna go check that out. I think uh, nice. you know the guys gotta be our age, I'm assuming. Yeah. So um but yeah, well, you know what? It's it's cool. I love retro games, so Zelda was fun in the past. I may have to check this out. Yeah. I I didn't get into Zelda until Wind Waker came out. That was the first one that I really got hooked on. That was GameCube or was that GameCube. Switch? It was GameCube, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, we know a little bit about video games. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But we know more about this book. Yes, the book. So this book is um similar but different. Um <laughs> That's I don't know how else it. to describe it. I mean, no, it's, it's similar true. But different. It's similar but different. Yeah. So it's a continuation of the music lesson. So if you remember when we left off, you know, uh, Victor was in some person's apartment, and we're working. We, we're not going to get there tonight, but we're going to get to that point. Um, so this kind of works up towards that. But right. um, I, I think this book is a more intense book. Uh, I agree. Yeah. You know, I think I think the first one, while it's not especially for musicians, I think musicians take more out of the first one, and I yes. think the second one, like everyone, takes a lot out of it. I yes, think. and I think he writes it in that sense. Yeah, if, if you think of it this way, if he wrote this book first to 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 engage everyone, mm-hmm. he wrote that the other one was a prequel. Yep. You know, and I think, but I think you're right. I think the first one, even though anybody could read it, definitely leans more towards the musician, whereas this one Mm -hmm. definitely is a more talking to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we're going to go through the prelude and the the first measure tonight, and then we'll see how that goes. And we might take it two chapters at a time. One, I don't know. This is long chapters, though. Right. This book has a long chapter, and it has a lot more chapters. You know, so I, I I don't know. There's one chapter in this book because I was listening to it on audiobook as well. That was 45 minutes on the audiobook. Mm-hmm. A little, some yep. of it had some like music interludes in it, so I know that plays mm-hmm. a factor. But typically, it was I was like 45 minutes. I'm like I can't like my drive is 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, let's get started, I guess. Yes. Um, the, the book starts, um, I, I guess, as a continuation as from his discussion with music in the last book, you know, where music says that she's sick, and um, he elaborates a little bit more and, and really kind of says that it's kind of more serious than sick, more that she's dying than anything else. And one of the themes that comes back several times in this book um, is music he says that music has a more uh, a better relationship with computers than she does with humans these days which is true in a lot of cases i think you know if you think about you know the way that we listen to music now is done through computers and a lot of the the beginning part of this chapter talks about the technology about how we listen to music and how we used to listen to music and how it's changed um but before we get there um oh i need to get this in blind mode hang on (laughs) Uh, I don't read in blind mode, but I need to, for here, I need it in blind mode. Ooh, that's much better. <laughs> um, so he, he says towards the beginning of this uh, chapter, he says, um, like nature, who is aware of all of her children, music is a lie, a living conscious who is aware of each musician. And one of the things that he's he's talked about, and I I kind of believe as well, is that through music, music is trying to communicate with us, and so many of us, us are distracted by our instruments and just the sheer, I don't know, the way we practice music. We shut music out in a way that we don't allow ourselves to interact with music. Yes. If you understand yes. what I'm saying. No, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we go into it as it, it's like when we're reading a book. 
like a lot of people, there are, there are people out there that read books because it takes them away from the real life and they, they immerse themselves into the environment that they're reading. But it's like reading a technical book like or whatever like you read some people just read to read some people read to immerse themselves in it and i think it's that idea is when we practice or even play music where it's almost like we're just doing it we're not having that conversation or listening to music and 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 going from there so i get what you're saying yeah yep yeah and i remember when i was in, in high school uh, one of our traditional pieces was a piece called Do You Hear, Do you hear What I Hear, which was uh, Harry Simeon. I almost said Harry Belafonte. Harry Simeon wrote it. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember my director saying at one point that, you know, it's whether you believe it or not, the story of Do You Hear What I Hear is probably the greatest story ever told. It's been around for 2,000 years. How many stories have been right. around for 2,000 years? So you need to take care in telling that story when right. you're singing it. You know, and and, and I've, I've done this, the piece many times after that, and that's what I always preach is I don't care whether you believe the story or not. The fact is it's a story. You need to tell that story. Right. So. And that's 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 very important. That's something that when I when I sang in college, I did my best to do is to tell that story. You know, however long the piece was, whether it was a short piece or a long piece, it's just tell that story. Mm-hmm. Because whether, and, and it's not my story, but, you know, the only way to pass on things is to tell the story. Yeah. Right, right. And you'll find, at least I find anyway, that the more you focus on the story, the easier music becomes. Yes. You know, because you are truly opening yourself up. and And just a few lines down... You know, he says, uh, we are her instruments. And that's really what it is. Once you once you understand how to get out of the way of music, it becomes a lot easier. Right. The hard part for me, and this is kind of what I mentioned a few weeks ago, is as I'm practicing these days, it's it's hard to learn and get out of the way at the same time. Oh, yeah. But I find that if I can get out of the way, I learn faster. Right. But I don't know how to do that yet. Distract yourself. Put something so, on the TV. Yeah, but the problem is, if I do that, I can't read the music and memorize it the way I need to, and you know. So in in the first book, that's what he does. He uses it as a distraction to, right, not concentrate. I think he uses a distract, and, and I'll do this to a certain extent. Like I, I mentioned, like when I was learning trumpet and stuff, I would use the TV as a distraction because my lips would get tired really quickly. And if I could use the TV as a distraction to play, I, I could train my muscles more. Okay. But be distracted by the television. But you're saying if you're learning, kind of like exercising with 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 music or something or, or the television on, it's kind of the same concept. But you're saying learning a piece of music, like learning the music, it's a little more difficult. Learning, I think, is more difficult. Okay. I, I could see that. I, I get that. Yeah. There's I, I, there's at least with what I'm working on now, there's just too much information on the page. For me to be distracted by anything else. Okay, makes sense. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I've I always like the the um, that that line, you know, that we are her instruments, and and that was something that my choir director always said to us is that we are essentially like the pipes of an organ for right. music. You know, we are just the medium for music to speak through us. You know, I, I've always I've always liked that. Um. And then this is this is where he gets into you know the fact that we have lost kind of lost touch with with music. He says, according to her, we do not feel her as completely as we used to, and because of that, she currently has a more intimate relationship with computers than she does with people. That is a bit scary to me. In my book, I referred to it as a dream because I was afraid to tell the truth, but now I'm not afraid to tell you that at all. It was not a dream at all. So. And he talks about you know spending the hours in the woodshed, which is kind of what I was just talking about, you know, trying to find that balance between learning music but making music at the same time and communicating with music at the same time. That's that's a struggle for me. It's always been a struggle for me, and I, I find that once I learn the piece, it's very easy to get out of the way of it. But the trying to learn it and get out of the way at the same time, I just I can't do yet. Now. Do you think that's the same? Do you feel that's the same way across the board? Because you do sing. 
and you do play instruments, mm-hmm. do you feel it's the same way across the board, yep. or do you feel that certain instruments or maybe vocal? I have a lot easier time with singing, you know, than other instruments. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure, singing is a lot easier for me to. Do you think that's do. because you don't see it as your main instrument? Uh, no, I think it's because this and this gets in my way. So my hands and my brain, um, I focus too much on that connection. And when I'm singing, I understand how to breathe. I don't, you know, that's become second nature. But there's trying to get this and this to work, the hands and the brain to work. Together. I, 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 I'm watching myself. No, 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 I'm not no, no. Using no, words. No, but you understood the question. <laughs> but, but you know, yeah. my brains and no, my you hand. You got what I'm saying. Yeah. So my brains and my hand don't always work well together. And there's an extra layer of, and we talked about this a few weeks ago about, you know, how how we thought was easier for singers, um, because there wasn't that extra layer of you know coordination that instrumentalists have, um, you know, we always I always joked in in college, you know, how you know singers aren't really right musicians because you know I made the joke and I was going to school for music for a singer, so like you know yeah, but um yeah. I think the the and, and I and I agree with you because as a singer who plays an instrument, I I agree with you hundred percent. I think the only element mm-hmm. in the in the verse of, of singers is when you're learning a different language, because that adds that element of whether you understand the language or not, you have to be able to sing it in such a way that it sounds like you know how to sing it. When you're dealing with mm-hmm. the English language, because it is our language, even though sometimes it can be tough to make it sound musical because of the way our language is. I agree mm-hmm. with you hundred percent. I think because of the way, the fact that you're not dealing with a hand eye coordination thing and getting your brain to situate it, whatever it can be a little bit easier. I think the only element would be the foreign language. That's my, and that's just from my personal, because there's some foreign languages that I'm kind of like, I get, I'm good. I can go. There are some that I'm just like the French language. And I know I've said it before as much as, some of the songs are gorgeous. I just don't do it justice because I can't do the language well. So the last thing I want to do is a French piece. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and that would be my hand-eye coordination issue. I would have such a hard time just because of the disconnect from the language. Um, but when I practice saxophone, I agree with you 100. I, it's that, and I and I'll be one of the first to say saxophone as a horn or as an instrument is not hard to learn. Because whatever your registers are, low or high, it's the same fingerings. It's when you get up to the higher fingerings, the higher notes, that's a little bit different. But those mid-range, it's all pretty much the same fingering. And then to get those, the 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 chromatic or the flats or whatever, it's just an extra added button, you know? So, but still, your the mentality of jumping through those notes and getting your hands to work with what you're seeing, on, I get that. Like, that makes sense. So, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, first one about singing. As far as the the coordination goes, does translation fit into that as well? Is that part of the your coordination, or or once you understand the translation of a piece? So if you're singing Italian, for example, oh okay, 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 seriously, do you have to worry about that as you sing to help tell that story, or do you kind of translate beforehand, get an idea what the story is, and then just tell the story as it as it feels right? All right, so, or you're thinking about every word and what? No, every no, word no means, I I totally get what you're saying. Let I'm going to use okay, so. I'm going to use, um, let's use German because Italian and Spanish. I, I ah, kinda, good morning. Good morning. I understand Italian and Spanish um, uh, fairly well. So like that for me is a little bit easier. Uh, German though, German can be pretty straightforward with their translations. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think <clears throat> translating the the piece and understanding what the piece embodies that that poem the lyrics whatever that the piece mm-hmm. is written for definitely helps so even as you're learning the language the fact that you have a sense of what is behind it because everybody's going to interpret it different anyway so right. if 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 it's talking about you know a loved one or 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 a family to know that helps with the learning of the song because of mm-hmm. the fact that you kind of figure out where that emotion lies and I, that's how I say it. But because uh, because for me, that's how you're telling the story. 
So if you don't right. know the story or the translation, then how do you tell that story? Mm-hmm. That's so. So do you look at a piece as more of a roadmap? Yes. You know, just not not word for word. Not word for word. If I get gotcha. the gist okay. of what the story is, because if you want to go literal and you take the lines of of the song, you can get a feel mm-hmm. of what the song is telling. Whether it's sad, whether it's happy, whether there's this or that. So if you have a gist of what the meaning of the thing... Now, for me, I probably would translate the whole thing because it's just interesting to me to know and understand it in that capacity. Um, right. But yes, if you just have the gist of the song, it helps you with the the feel of the song, right? Um, mm-hmm. And And, you know, how to tell it, to how to tell that story. Yeah. Right. Okay. Then my other question, because I don't, I, I played clarinet like once, so um, as you go higher on on the saxophone, what is it just fingering that changes, or does anything in the embouchure change? You have to change. Oh no, air? yeah, I definitely have to change the embouchure in order for you to get certain okay. notes as you go higher up. Um, when when you go from a low C up to a high C. There, the difference is the low C is all the keys closed essentially, and then there's some horns that have mm-hmm. the B flat, and then you even have an A key, whatever. Um, right. If you go all the way up to the high C, there's an octave button that helps you do that, but you do have to change the embouchure on the on the on the reed. And then okay. when you get higher to the higher notes, like once you get past um, D E E, like up there, and the, those side keys, then you have to it's even more so. And then there are ways to do harmonics on top of that. So gotcha. there is a change in the embouchure. My, my sax, my saxophone does not have the a key. And there were some songs where I had to play an a. So the, the trick was, and I learned this is you put it into your, into your leg and you muffle it to the point where mm-hmm. you can get that a out. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. See, like on a brass instrument, it's different. Cause like they're, I call them shelves. I think other people call them shelves too. Like, so if you play a note with like out using any keys, um, you can get several different notes. So like on the trumpet, you know, you, you start with, with C, then you go to G, then C, then E, G, and then the higher you get, the closer those notes get together. But each of those little shelves, you have to adjust your, your mouth to get right. to that each right. little spot. What makes the French horn so difficult is that those, as, on the trumpet, as you get higher, those notes get, closer together so the amount of movement that you have here in your mouth is very small but on the french horn the the distance between those shelves is very small even okay. on the low end so like on the low end like i could play c e g b flat c and d all open like so it's within an octave i could play like six or seven notes without playing any fingers down it's all comes down to my mouth yeah on so, the saxophone there yeah. the the note key is the c sharp but it's either and and it's it's the um, I'm not gonna be able to do the transposition in my head right now, but it's it's the t- it's two C sharps. You C sharp one octave, and then hit the octave key, and it's the other octave. That's it. Like you're not changing that note in any other way. Got it. I'm sure there are players out there that use that to their advantage and have found fun ways oh, to, sure. to to make it sound different and whatever. And and that's awesome because mm-hmm. I think that's the idea of it. So, and then we go on and he says, music is someone with whom you can converse like a friend. I didn't get it at first, but now I understand. And now I, now after my conversation with music, I often refer to her in the same way. And I think not only that, but, um, like Rachel and I have talked about it. You know, we have conversations with our instruments too. You know, my instruments all have names, you know, my piano doesn't have a name yet. I haven't, I haven't named the piano yet. Haven't come up with a good one, but this one, this, this is Nemo, Nemo, Nemo the trumpet. What made you name it Nemo? So, uh, when Nemo arrived, do you remember the snowstorm that we got like 38 inches of snow that was called Uh Nemo? Nemo arrived the same day that Nemo hit. Um, Okay. And I got I got lucky because it so this came from um, where was he he was in Singapore I think the guy that made this at the time um, and I didn't know I didn't know it was supposed to be delivered that day we were about to close I had delivered to the store the Cornet Music we were about to close the store and you know the the, the FedEx guy walked in and goes 
this for you? I was like, yep, that's my trumpet. Didn't know it was coming today. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. So yeah. I didn't name my horn. I got it when I was in high school. I didn't name it. Well, you should name it. It's now, I think it's pushing 70 years old now. Wow. Yeah. I think based upon the, the serial number, it's like 70. Yeah, so it's the bell my on that trumpet is, I think, over 100 years old now. Yeah, you were saying, um, right? Yeah. And then my piano was built in 1936. So that's oh, nice. pushing 100 years old now. That's awesome. So very cool. And it, it, but like that goes to show you back to what he's saying. It doesn't matter what instrument you're playing. Mm hmm. The music is going to come out of it because music, she's going to come out of it no matter what. Right, right. And she's going to channel through you to come mm-hmm. through that instrument. Yep. And I know there's a lot of um, discussion about how some of the older instruments have better sounds than the newer instruments. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's not wrong. I'm not saying that that's not wrong at all. But the thing is, is like, if we're going by what he says in this book, technically it shouldn't matter, right? Yeah. It's a well, tough one. It's a, it's tough though. I, I would I would say that the story doesn't change, but the sound can change. Okay. And I think, so here's another way to look at it too. So you can look at it, you know, like, so for example, my, my piano is a hundred years old. So that, that wood has been drying out for a hundred years. Right. So because it's drier, it vibrates more. It's more resonant. Sure. That sort of stuff. Um, but then you can think about it this way. Think of all the people that played it. And we've always said that, you know, right. That, you know, once something starts vibrating, it never stops. Right. So this has been vibrating longer than any other instrument. So it's going to sound different because of that. Right. Now, how about your your horn Nemo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got multiple parts in there. One's a hundred years yeah. old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the valves are were, were brand new. You know, so <laughs> it's it's a it's Frankenhorn. It's, it's, it's Frankenhorn. You know, but no, it's but. it's true. And 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 yes, absolutely. Like I have my horn, my saxophone is 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 a is a more of a darker tone than some others. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm sure there's horns out there, but you're absolutely right. That's the biggest thing is just this, the, the sound of the actual horn itself. Right, right. And if you, you relate it to, you know, literature, you know, you think about, you know, going back to when, when they'd use pen and paper, like it's the difference between blue ink and black ink right. or, you know, like a 0.7, you know, millimeter pen versus, you right. know, 0.5 or whatever, you know, right. the different thicknesses. That's all we're talking about. And the, you know, and the, the story song, doesn't right. change. The song's going to be the same. The story's going to be the same. Everything's going to exactly. be the same. You're going to get it out of that instrument no matter what. So whether the mm-hmm. instrument's 100 years old or five days old, you're still yep. going to play that song and you're still going to be able to say something with it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. You were on a roll yep. in the book, so keep going. Because you're hitting the same <laughs> stuff that I was going to hit, so... Nice. Yeah. Um, so he, he he talks about the about um, how important the teacher is and um, and and how yes the teacher is important but you know he says this I used to think I was dependent on a teacher for answers Michael helped me realize that if I asked more questions more answers would show up um, for him having the correct answer wasn't as important as having the correct questions once the question is asked he'd say. You're in arm's reach of the answer. I'd previously made a habit of assuming I didn't know anything, waiting for a teacher to give me answers. Michael made it clear that I needed to make new habits. And this goes back to, I think, what he was talking about early in the book, in the first book. Uh, What Michael would say is that, you know, the answers are always around us. It's just a matter of tuning into the right frequency to get the answers that you're looking for. Right. Right. You know, and that's. And then when you have a good teacher, and this is what I try to do, it was it was never giving my students the answers, but it was trying to, I was trying to be like a compass almost, sure, kind of directing them in the right the right way, and then they've got to find the path, because their path to finding their own voice, for example, is different than the path that I went. Down. Absolutely, I tried. I mean, when I was in the classroom, it wasn't music; it was just elementary, but. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I I it, it, I never when a kid answered the question if they had the wrong answer I would tell them that 
that's good, but we need something better. Because most of the time it wasn't mm-hmm. wrong, it just wasn't enough. And instead of me right. telling them they're wrong, I'd say, we can, let's, let's make that even better. And then you get a conversation mm-hmm. with the kids going. So in that sense, it worked because it built a conversation amongst the students. But definitely on a one-to-one situation, it makes absolute sense because you, you want them to learn how to f- find the answer themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like my voice students were, were female. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know how to find a female voice. I, I'd right, never right. done it before. You know, I, I, you know, I know how to guide them to the right place, but no, it's, it, you know, I've never walked that journey. So there's no way for me oh, to yeah, show them. It's different. It's different. It. It's, it's tough. Um, yep. Then he moves into reaching out to the reader. The rate we're going, we're going to have an episode on the prelude and an episode on chapter one. Because <laughs> I think the prelude had more in here than we anticipated. No, but um, uh, yep. he goes into talking and reaching out to the reader. Asking the reader to... Um, the paragraph that leads into this says, Now I need your help. I need you to ask questions and to feel the answers in your heart. Feeling is the key. Music needs to be felt. Feeling and sincerity are essential for her to remain whole. And then you said, and then he says, "You're probably thinking, yes, I can feel music." And he's saying, "Sure, you can, but have you considered that there is increasingly less and less music to be felt? Music is not reaching us in her entirety." So then he goes, "Questions," and this is the paragraph they thought was interesting. How can music be sick? How can music die? Only living things die, right? I used to ask myself the same questions, even as a musician. I believe music only existed on an instrument, in a voice, or on a piece of paper. Now I realize that those things are only tools used to express music, and that we should never mistake the tools for music itself. I used to focus so much on the tools that I often lost sight of the experience. Like most people, I never realized that music was living a living entity, not like a human, a plant, or an animal, but living nonetheless. Think of her as a spirit, that may make it easier to comprehend the concept or I mean comprehend and accept, which is essentially what we've just been talking about um, when it comes to all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wholeheartedly think that pa- I agree with that paragraph hundred percent. Like, you know, um, yep. and then he just explains how, you know, if the body, one part of our body gets sick, it could hurt our whole entire body. So it's it, he's he's equating mm-hmm. it to the fact that if one thing happens, because previously in his previous book he talked about ten equal parts: notes, articulation, technique, emotion, dynamics, rhythm, tone, phrasing, space, and listening. Stating if one of those goes sour, it's going to affect music. You know, and then mm-hmm. um, what do you think of his breakdown of um? an analogy of 12 inches to represent the sonic quality of listening to live music. What do you think of that? It's interesting. Um, do you want me to read it or you want to read it? You can read it. I've, I've read a lot. Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. So this is what uh, I'm bringing up and this is the paragraph that we're talking about. If we use 12 inches to represent the sonic quality of listening to live music, a vinyl record could be represented as approximately eight inches. A compact music you know, disc, a CD is usually made from wave files, putting it at around six inches. An MP3, which is only one tenth the size of a wave file, would equal 0.6 inches. Listening to an MP3 through the tiny earbuds or computer speakers could reduce it to approximately 0.25 of an inch or less. That scares me. So he's basically saying that we're not hearing and receiving the same amount of music that we would listen to and a live performance then to a record then mm-hmm. to a CD because it's getting compressed essentially to the point where that's how we're seeing it. And now, I mean, we're getting into a day and age where we're getting lossless streaming and we're getting more high fidelity streaming. So like that. So I'm not saying that they're not trying to work on it. Right. But he goes in and talks about a guy who created digital audio workstation, like created mm-hmm. it. And the guy was like, yep. no, I don't think it's right. Mm-hmm. And then came out with this program called Sonoma. Um, which jumps the recording of 192,000 pieces in the digital work up to 3 million per second. 
Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting because he talks about how if you go into this room, they brought a violinist in and she had to like take her shawl off because she was getting chills because she was able to feel the music, but not feel it in mm-hmm. the sense of listening to it and feeling it, but like physically feel it. And then he talks more about the fact that there was a there's a gentleman in upstate New York, a doctor who uses music to um, help in his therapy. He does it for music therapy and he was using CDs, but he was stating that the CDs were not actually helping. It was making it worse and reached out to this guy. Mm-hmm. What is his name? His name is uh, Gus. I don't think he gives his last name. Right. So. I don't think so. Yeah, he gives this guy Gus who created Sonoma and he said, hey, listen, this is not working. And this doctor and Gus um, connected and the doctor now uses the Sonoma in his Mm -hmm. and he says it's so much better because of the fact that it's reaching it's recording three million per second versus one hundred and ninety two pieces per second. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is one line that he states after explaining this. It doesn't really matter if you can hear the difference. It's what you feel that counts. Yep. Yeah, totally. And I did some research on the Sonoma stuff. It's very interesting. It is, yeah. It is very interesting. Um, it's just a whole new way of recording. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was like, how can we set? You can't. I don't even think it's something you could set up in a home studio. I don't think so either. I think you need like a crazy amount of space. An ability, like I just, I don't know. I don't know if you well, can have a. You system. know what that that new, what's the what's the new Mac that just came out with a hundred cores and it's like fifteen thousand dollars for the base. They just announced. Oh, it, the uh, Mac Pro. Is it, it was it Mac Pro? I think it's the new Mac Pro. Yeah. I I don't know the names anymore. I don't know. But like the like the the basis is what seventy five hundred dollars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get. I think I think I once um, upped it and it got to like sixty thousand dollars. But I mean, that's what we're talking about, you know. That sort of, you know, processing horsepower to do this, and then on top of that, the amount of hard drive space that you need it, like, just to record stuff, would be massive, right? Because three million per second. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep, I struggle to do. Ninety six thousand per second. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, now we're talking about three million per second. Yes. yes. You know, then he goes. I mean, and my my computer can handle, it, but like the size, the hard drive right. requirement for it. It's file size. Yeah, it's totally I, I max file out size. My drive in about three or four minutes. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I I, I could only imagine that the size of a song mm-hmm. after it's been recorded that way. You know, he goes into comparing music and how we utilize uh, different tools, the digital tools to help us better. Uh, He compares it to GMOs like uh, food that have been enhanced. Um, He 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 praises the technological advancements because he states that he uses them, but he Mm -hmm. also feels that they're overused. Yes, and I agree with him a hundred percent on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's in a lot of fields where the digital or the technological advancements are there and should be used as a tool, but they tend to be what becomes more prominent in what you're doing. Like I, mm-hmm. I say it in education all the time, I, I have there's too many conversations that I've had with teachers where they rely so heavily on the technology as a as a teaching mechanism versus using it as a tool or an extension of their lesson. Um, and that just to me blows my mind. It's getting a little bit better, but I still am amazed of how many people still see it as a here, just do this versus this yep. is what we can do. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about auto tuning, compression, um, yep. quantizing, where if someone plays out a rhythm, they can fix the comp the the, the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. That's just crazy. And then he goes into uh, essentially talking about MTV, where they came out with music te- uh, music television, and now those those they don't even have music on there anymore. It's all reality television shows or documentaries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now this is the thing that I think we've spoken about a couple of times is he talks about pop music. Am I? Am I do you want to do you want to say anything about it? Or you want me to keep going? No, <laughs> I've mentioned it many times. Go for it. So um, we've spoken about this previously uh, about how uh, even Kyle mentioned that 
he tries his best and and I, I think I've been trying to where we try to not include the genre of what the music lies under because it shouldn't matter uh, it's just it's music and 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 what it is um, so we've mentioned that back in the day pop music wasn't what we know of as pop music now it was just the music that was popular at the time. So in the book, he makes right. a point to state that you could turn on a radio station and you can hear Janis Joplin, the Jackson five Led Zeppelin, Sly and the family stone, Louis Armstrong and more all on the same radio station, because at that time mm-hmm. their music was popular. So you had this mix of music and I'm going to use the word for a moment, a mix of genres on one radio station. And, you know, there's still disc jockeys out there that are trying to do this. I mean, we try to do this on the live shows. We really do. Yep. Um, I, I think we 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 do a good mix because we know that we're, we're enticing other listeners. But I think our live shows show this, that we're trying to play more of the other stuff. More of the stuff that's not mm-hmm. played on the radio stations. That's what we're trying to do. Right. Um, and... He said that, you know, cutting off funding to the arts is like, you know, cutting off a blood supply. <laughs> and it's true because mm-hmm. if you don't have the money to do what you need to do, you're not going to get what you want. Yep. It's uh, it's it, it's it, it's the, reading the book. You get sad because you're like, what's happening? What's going on? But then mm-hmm. you like you understand what he's trying to do. And then, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's It's crazy. Yeah, I want to go back a little bit because there, there are a couple no, things I want to yeah, yeah, yeah. bring up. Um, th- this this little paragraph here was one of one of the reasons that this podcast started. Um, so it started out with me looking for headphones and finding that Amber Rubarth album, and then I went down this rabbit hole of you know you know high res music and you know listening to to stuff like that, and I'm still wrapped up in this high res thing and. It makes a huge difference, I think. Um, and I've had people say, oh, no, it doesn't. And then I bring them into you know one of my listening areas. And go, All right, sit down and take a listen to this. And what I'll do is I'll play them, you know, the compressed, you know, CD quality one. I go, how's that sounding? Oh, it sounds great. All right, all right now I'm going to play the high-res version. And their minds are blown. Like, the amount of detail that is that is now, you know, being heard and, and, and played is is tremendously different. One of the things that he says, and this is this is kind of the inspiration to my Friday show. Um, he says, in decades past, purchasing a new vinyl record was a social event. Friends and family bonded together and listened to the whole album as a group. Even the album credits were read and shared together. And that's part of you know we we do it on Sunday nights. You know we don't just play the music. We try to discuss like the artists themselves and who's playing on the track and you know who wrote it and that sort of thing. Because I think that's important. You know, we, we forget that. We just, we're in a society where, oh, it sounds good. Let's just keep going. What's what's next? What's next? What's next? Or we, like or we of, pick the songs we want to listen to and we don't listen to the whole yeah, album. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, and, and, and I think that, you know, I, I find myself doing this now that I'm trying to be more conscious of, of what I do, you know, every day, whether it be walking or eating or whatever, you know, thinking about just like eating during the day, like how many times do I eat and actually think about what I'm eating or do I just put food in my face because I'm hungry? Oh, we know that but, answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we always know that answer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, there, there are studies that show that if you take the time to enjoy and actually like be present in eating, you'll eat less. Of course. I think so. I you agree know, with that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I agree. But I mean, like you said, we we try in the live show. Like the past few weeks, we've been playing um, a lot of Victor Rubin albums, his full albums. Um, yep. And then back in April, uh, end of March, beginning of April, when I came to Ohio, we actually did a first time listen to Nickel Creek's new album, Celebrants, and we did exactly mm-hmm. that. We actually had you had the record. We went through the the mm-hmm. notes on it. We were reading through it. We were listening to the songs and all that stuff. And I think that, so even though we're using a digital platform to do it, it's still a great way to do it because you can converse with those that are listening with you mm-hmm. because there's that chat and all that stuff that's going in there. So after this, before this episode has come out, we spent 
our past Sunday playing Corey Wong and mm-hmm. introducing people to his music. And, you know, we're going to play through one of the live albums and, and, and all that stuff. And we're going to talk about it. And, you know, uh, and we may do randomly, like we did the cover episode, which was just a fun episode because we got mm-hmm. people involved. But, and we're going to do another one, which will come out after this ep- episode. But our idea is what you said is to listen to the whole thing. Because yep. sometimes there's a story being told in the whole album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You said you had more. Was that it? Yeah. I could go on about the high-res stuff, but I won't. <laughs> I, I will say this. If you've never experienced high-res stuff, it's a little difficult to get involved with it because um, not all players can support it, but you would you would benefit from just trying it. Um, I'm a big fan of Kobuz, which is Q-O-B-U-Z. This is not sponsored. Not sponsored. Um, not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. Um, they ha- I, I like their catalog. I mean, there's Title too. Title is similar. Um, Kobuz for me is a little bit, it's geared more towards what I listen to. Um, title seems to be more geared towards pop music or what we now call pop music. <clears throat> but there's a lot more like classical and jazz on Kobuz I found. So that's why I stick with Kobuz. But hearing the difference between you know a 44 kilohertz returning, re- recording and 198 kilo or 192 kilohertz return, slow down and use the well words, done 192 <laughs> kilohertz recording, it's a huge yeah. difference. Um, so yeah, um, I, I would I would say try it if you if you are on, if you're on Apple Music and which we are not sponsored either, but if you're on Apple Music and you're on Wi-Fi at home, go to Lossless. Do it. It's totally worth it. Yep. You know, it, mm-hmm. it definitely is a it is a different feel. And if you're downloading the music to your phone, like I've started doing, download the lossless. It's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely is a different experience. Yep. Uh, even in the car, if, I'm not gonna even say headphones mm-hmm. because I know it will be, especially if you have good headphones. But in the mm-hmm. car, it makes a difference. You yep. know, uh, the the sound is a little bit richer. Yeah. Yep. Um. And then he goes on further on. He says, music's ecosystem has been also critically damaged. The good and bad part is this. You don't have to be a musician to be part of the problem or the solution. Whether you play an instrument or not, we all have a biological relationship with music. We are born with her. Our vibrations are connected. She is in our DNA. So even though we're talking about all this stuff and how music is dying and all this sort of stuff, like... It's all is not lost, and and even if you don't play an instrument, you can still share the music. That's right. what we do here, you know. And that's we're, we're trying to to reach out and share this stuff with everyone. Yeah, we and it's, it's and we're not talking that you have to go to concerts every week and you have to go this and you have to do that. It's no. more of the don't forget that there's a full album there. Like your the artist right. put out a full album for a reason. Like, yeah, they may have a single that's popular, mm-hmm. but, and I'm talking more of the stuff on the radio at the moment, they may be putting out a single that's popular mm-hmm. and, or two or three that, that hit hard and that's why it's on the radio, but there's an album there and there's a reason for the album and there's a reason for the songs, right. you know, and, and which is mm-hmm. part of the reason why we've been playing Victor Wooten's music over the past few weeks. It's not just because of the fact that we are reading his two books, the story that he tells within his album and even the arc story that happens from album to album to album and how his interpretation of everything changes that's a thought out process mm-hmm. that's not just like hey we're gonna see if this works yep you know and there's a reason why he does it yep 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 and then also on top of that i would say that even though i am a i took a test recently that said i was 98 percent introverted um, there are other people around that want to share music with you, like share music yes, with other people. Yes. That's a big part of it too. Agreed. Like I've, a lot of what I've gotten into is because Kyle back in the day was like, you need to check this out. And then it was just a domino effect after that. It, it was us sharing music. I mean, more so Kyle towards me, but even I found some stuff that Kyle was like, I, you know, I think Nickel Creek was one of the groups that I shared with you because you didn't, you know, but it was one of those things where it's like, mm-hmm. yep. it, 
it, this is what created this. This is why if you look at our music playlist or whatever, it's very eclectic. It's it's not just one thing. You see a mm-hmm. mass of everything. Like it, and that's and that's just because we yeah. share and you know, um I've shared music with people that just listen to one and I'm going to use the word again, genre of music all their life. And then you share this with them and they're just like never thought about listening to that you know and and that doesn't mean that they're wrong or anything it just means that they just never thought about putting it on because they're like oh no because maybe their experience was wrong the first time or the person that was going to share it to them was just too like in their face about it mm-hmm. it's like you, know? you with harry potter you know? exactly no no, no seriously yeah in your face it too was... much and you just needed a break that's why i won't watch the godfather because i mean i just it's the same you know, thing people say you don't need amazing. to you with you me every every week you got enough of that <laughs> but yes you're absolutely right it was like harry potter like mm-hmm. at that time everybody was in my face you need to read it you need to read it you need to and i was like no 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 yeah. and now i'm kind of getting into it because i have a friend that's into it you're into it you got me kind of talking about it and you know and i'm i'm like okay this is interesting i want to check it out now mm-hmm. you know definitely um, I do like the fact that he talks about classical music. Mm-hmm. That it, I think it's a kind of a funny thing. He talks about how he, the classical music is one of his uh, favorites to listen to, and he said uh, it was very interesting because because it's also like the cartoons of his youth used a lot of classical music. Mm-hmm. But he said one day he was riding in the car with Michael and noticed a procession of people walking out of the church and they were dressed very nicely, most of them wearing black and their faces were somber. I asked Michael if he knew who died. His response was shocking music, he answered. What I thought mm-hmm. was a funeral was actually people exiting a classical music concert. I didn't understand. Michael told me that the musicians had probably lost touch with their own emotions while trying to resurrect those of 200-year-old, those 200-year-old composer. And it's funny they're probably it's like it's going through the motions Mm -hmm. they're just doing the same thing all the time and Mm -hmm. i understand why they would get to the point where it's just muscle memory in a sense they're just playing and and that's i think another issue is that you get so caught up in doing the same thing over and over again that you just play it the same way over mm-hmm. and over and over again and because as you said these vibrations of these instruments and even the music are hundreds of years old we're just killing those vibrations yep. off mm-hmm. yep. yeah we're just killing the vibrations off i mean yep. look at a broadway show a broadway show could run for 10 15 20 25 years mm-hmm. Now, yes, they do change out the performers here and there, and they do that and stuff like that. And part of that is because the performer is going on to something else. Performer is getting older, and they need a certain look, like whatever the reason may or be. Or burnt out. Or burnt out. And mm-hmm. they change up the performers here and there. Yep. They're still singing the same songs. Mm-hmm. You know? They're still doing the same thing, but they're they're changing it up to bring this energy back. Yep. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very interesting. Um, and I think one of the things that, one of the reasons I like the music that I like, um, especially recently, like I was watching um, Corey Wong videos just because <clears throat> I like to not only listen, but, but to watch as musicians play. And it was the, I, I'll put it in the this show description as well, but I put it in last week, but it was when they did the tiny instrument stuff. Yeah, you're like, saying. The smiles on their face yeah. when they're doing this, like they're just having such a good time and like. Like that's why we play music. We don't do music. We play music. Like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. Even you classical know? music to play classical music yeah. to sing. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. If I could do the same thing every week, uh, why not? Like just to be able to perform. Because you know mm-hmm. what, the audience is different each time. Yep. And that's what makes it unique and fun yep. and different. Because the reaction that you're going to get from a particular mm-hmm. person or that whole audience. Yep. Yeah. And one of the things Bela Fleck does to keep it interesting every night is he'll change the, the order of the stuff he does. He might be doing the same songs on tour, but the order is always different. Something's always different to yeah. kind of spice things up a little bit for them. That's all. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, further down on that page, he talks about, I don't know if there's anything further down on that page that you have anything to say. Or mentioned. I think that's about all I highlighted. Okay. So. The, there's only one thing that he says that I think is very interesting. 
and he goes he talks about how you know um there there's less music now than there was five decades ago you know um but he goes he uses the chinese proverb the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the next best time is now mm-hmm. and yeah i think I think for us, I'm, I'm sure there's more to do, but I think for us, we started that process uh, by doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I like to think, um, yep. and, and there's more that I want to do, but I think we were off to a great start. I mean, we were just talking a few days ago. We've been doing this for less than two years. We're about a year and a half into it. And thank you to the listeners. We're at over 2,000 unique, 2,000 downloads of our podcast. Now, to some people, they may not think that's a lot, but to us, we think that's amazing because we didn't expect. I never to hit thought that. we'd hit that that fast. Yeah, exactly, and 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 I love that. That that just that's mm-hmm. awesome to me. I think that's as fantastic. of right now, two thousand thirty-three. That's amazing, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. I didn't expect us to hit that when we did. You know, I I I, I didn't know when we would have had to hit that. Honestly, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's. That's it. I love the last line though in the pre- the prelude. Um, it's like the last few lines. He goes, uh, "Yes, there will be risks, but if you choose to join us, you will find us standing on the path alongside you. Just look for the marker." And this is to musicians and non-musicians alike. Together, mm-hmm. I know we can make a difference. If you are with us, keep reading. If not, definitely keep reading. And I think that's yep. that's such a great way to end that prelude and bring mm-hmm. us into the first measure, which. We could totally do, but this this episode would be like two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, I think we should save it for the next episode. I agree. I think we should stop there, yeah. and then we'll pick it up next yeah. week. So we were wrong. We're not doing two <laughs> chapters this you know week. What? We're only doing one. It's okay. It's okay. Um, it was a, it was ambitious. <laughs> Honestly, yep. I didn't expect us to talk about as much as we did in the prelude. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I. I do enjoy this book a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I enjoy it more than the first one and at no means because as a musician, that first one hits home a lot, but just the, yeah. the, the way he talks in, in this one, the, the, the way he writes in this one, that the spirit of music is just so mm-hmm. universal. Yeah. And, and even though it's, it's music centric, it's still so universal. Like there, are, as you listen to us, you'll understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Yep, couple um, couple things. Well, so before I do any more, you want to say about the book? Or you? No, I think I'm good. Let's leave it there. Let's let's. Uh, I'm just gonna talk about our few things, yeah. and then. Uh, I'll, I'll, I was gonna mention that if you're listening to this episode, which uh, has dropped on um, July 11th, is the day that you're listening to this, or after um, July 16th, we will be live at 7:30, and we're doing our second covers night uh, we're basically playing uh requested covers by our listeners uh, we have a good amount now um but we are definitely looking for more so in the show notes you'll see a link to our link tree and there's a form it's called covers part du. so please check that out fill it out as many times as you like and join us uh, we do listen to the original and the cover and we do have a little poll to see if we like the covers or the originals, uh, which one we like better. And uh, in the previous one that we did, the covers kind of won. So I'm curious to see what happens on this next one. Uh, again, Kyle goes live every Fridays at 8 and plays full albums of, of artists. And and typically he's finding new artists through the artists that we listen to, which is how he found Corey Wong. And um, who's the other? I always forget his name. The other guy. Mike Farris. Mike Farris. So, uh, you know, check out Friday Nights with, with Kyle because uh, you may find something. I've been finding new things through Kyle because I don't get to join on Fridays, but what he shares out with me is, is amazing. And uh, every Monday, every couple weeks after our episode drops on a Tuesday, a few weeks later, it drops on YouTube in the visual format. So please check that out. Kyle puts up uh, some of our bloopers and shorts on Fridays on YouTube. And I think that's it. 
Okay. So too. So thank you all for joining. Yes, thank you. See you next week. Yes, see you next week. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Music podcast. We hope that you join us next week. Click on the link tree in our show notes to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our Twitch and YouTube channel. If you would like to continue the conversation, join us on our Discord. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice and give us a five-star rating. Remember, always share the music. Thank you.